Welcome to Generations. This is Kevin Swanson, Steve Vaughn with me as well. And Steve, one of the things that we want to do is to be committed to truth. And I know that's a, a big commitment on your part as you teach young people the skills of critical thinking and debate. We, yeah. we as Christians must be committed to truth. And the world is so filled with obfuscations. What do I mean by that? Well, deception. So many layers of deception. And it is demonic. Let's face it. It's just demonic that there are so many means by which the plain truth is so hard to see. And it's because of what's happening with science, economics, and politics. There's so much obfuscation going on. Steve, let me give you an example. And I want, I want you to interact with this just for a moment before I get into my stuff. Okay, I'm okay. going to give you a chance. Okay. All right. <laughs> a new study published by TexasPolicy.com found that the real cost of operating electric vehicles, okay, as a one-to-one compared with gas-run vehicles, would be $17.33 per gallon based on a 10-year operating schedule. Get that? $17.33 wow. a gallon. The study found that a 2021 EV would cost $48,700 more to own over a 10-year period without... $22 billion in government favors given to manufacturers and owners. And by the way, this is sort of best case. Um, it was a pretty simple one-to-one comparison, $17.33, which I mean, it would cost me, what, $1,500 in gas to go visit my parents out in Oregon as compared to, say, $200 on my gas-driven Camry. <laughs> okay, so which yeah. car do you think I'm going to buy? I have a choice between spending fifteen hundred dollars yeah. for a trip to see Grandma and Grandpa versus two hundred dollars in my Camry. Which car do you think I'm going to get? Yeah, I'm thinking the Camry. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Camry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, also, environmentalists are not all that happy with electric cars either. Earth.org, which is you know kind of an environmentalist organization, Earth.org reported twice the carbon emissions for the production of an electric car. Over a normal car, the manufacturing process of an electric vehicle and its batteries exceeds that of a normal car, producing at least four tons of carbon dioxide just to produce the car. Okay, yeah. so all of which introduces the question for all of us: uh, Why were we supposed to buy the EVs? <laughs> yeah, because they're so clean, but uh, they really aren't. Except for the fact it, they're not. Yeah, what's going on? Is this one of the the most outrageous? scams in all of human history is that what we're looking at here it's it's pretty big it's pretty major uh because you have to uh, the people look at the end product of the electric vehicle and as it's running on batteries it's not putting out any exhaust and so they they look at this and they say oh it must be clean and because it doesn't put any exhaust out while it's riding while it's driving but the problem is is that all of the mess comes in the manufacturing and then even with the recharging the battery i mean where are we getting our electricity yeah where's and, the power coming from yeah and, and so they've got to burn oil they got to burn coal and or, or, I mean, they, they do wind and solar for that, but they're not even clean either because of all the, you know, what goes into the battery, what goes into the, the, the blades of the wind. And, and, and the, it, I mean, you've got oil that you have to have for the plastics, for the wind turbines that are not biodegradable. And so they've got to bury those in all these massive graveyards. I mean, there is so much that goes into this that is not clean whatsoever 
that these vehicles are in and of themselves worse for the environment than they are that than our combustion engine uh, gasoline engines it, it's just crazy because it's all hidden as long as we can keep it from your sight it must be okay but it's all deception it yeah, there's so much obfuscation and deception goes on in government policy economic policy let's face it there is so much deception that goes on that yeah. the average consumer, that how much you want to bet that ninety nine point nine 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 percent of electric vehicle owners have never heard this stuff? <laughs> yeah, that'd be my guess. Meaning but even that there's in, just huge levels of deception going on, yeah. and especially when government gets in and starts, you know, short circuiting the economy and uh, and obliterating the free economy and providing twenty two billion dollars. In government favors for manufacturers and owners of EVs. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Probably oh, yeah. the best or most phenomenal example of a combo of three bads. Bad science, bad politics, and bad economics that we've seen to date. Yeah. By the way, I, I think a 15-year-old homeschool kid can actually do the math on this. I don't think you need <laughs> anything more than a 10-key calculator for this. Yeah. Think about it. It takes 30,000 pounds of oil to build car batteries for one electric car takes 30,000 pounds of coal to take an electric car 100,000 miles. In total, that's about 120,000 pounds of carbon dioxide to take an electric car 100,000 miles. Now, let's compare that to a gas car. It takes 3,000 gallons of gas to go 100,000 miles, which is about 18,000 pounds of gas to go 100,000 miles. That's about 54,000 pounds of carbon dioxide compared to 120,000 pounds of carbon dioxide produced by an electric car over 100,000 miles. So you got 120,000 pounds of carbon dioxide on the electric car, 54,000 pounds of carbon dioxide over 100,000 miles on a gas car. The electric car produces roughly two times the carbon dioxide of a gas car over 100,000 miles. But that's okay from my perspective because carbon dioxide is good for plants. Yeah. My only drawback <laughs> is that I don't want to spend $17.33 a gallon. That's, that's yeah. my drawback. Um, so anyway... But are we melting the icebergs in the Arctic because of my Camry uh, bringing about a global disaster? We're really not sure. Maybe, maybe not. Not really sure. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe not. Kind of, sure. Computer modeling saying we might, maybe. (laughs) Depends on the model. Not sure. But my numbers assume that most of the electricity is produced by coal and oil. How much electricity is produced by clean solar? It's only about 2%. So, so far, you know... (laughs) I don't even think we're coming close to what the problem is with EVs, electric vehicles. Time will tell. Somebody somebody said it's going to be like the Etzel. It's going oh, yeah. the way of the Etzel. Just read that, I think, on Fox Business. Be back with more in just a moment on Generation. Stay with us. Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularist for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application 
and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. And we're back on Generations. This is Kevin Swanson with you. Steve Vaughn as well. And this entire electric vehicle debacle is tied into payoffs to Tesla and other organizations. And we're talking about to the tune of tens of billions of dollars. This is cheating. This is stealing. This is the redistribution of wealth. This is taking from some and giving to others. This is not what governments should do. Governments should be very careful not to be respectful of persons. This is one of the most fundamental requirements of God's law upon governments. And yet they're violating it, they're cheating, and they're obfuscating the real issues. Steve, this just seems to be one of the most corrupt schemes that human governments have ever engaged in. Oh, yeah. And and what's interesting is that in uh, debate, policy debate this year for both leagues, electric vehicles are coming up. And so that's why we've studied this quite a bit. And uh, so we've got transportation policy in one league and energy policy in the other league. And so we we're looking at this and, and the whole thing around electric vehicles is just massively wrong. Um, and when we say massively, we're talking about mass of the cars themselves are somewhere around 30 to 40% more, way more than regular uh, gasoline engine cars. And it's because of the batteries. And so when you have a car weighing that much more, so somewhere around 2,020 or yeah, 2,200 kilograms. So you're looking at eight, 9,000 pounds. It's causing more road damage. And so with more yeah. road damage, well, what are roads made out of? Well, that's asphalt. Asphalt comes from oil. And so, so now we've got more oil needed to repair the roads. And a lot of roads out there are in major disrepair because of the increase in electric vehicles. But you also have the batteries. And the batteries are made out of rare earth. Now, rare earth doesn't mean that it's rare. I mean, we've got quite a bit of that. But there's, it's... Uh, there, there are certain areas of the world that have higher concentrations of like cobalt and, and lithium. Well, the cobalt mines are usually in, you know, Africa and other places where they're hiring or actually bringing in very young people to mine these mines. And so look up cobalt mines. And, and so you've got all these young people, no protection they're, they're but they're working because they need food. And so it, it's just really a bad deal there. It's a lot of abuse that's going on, but even with like minor accidents with electric vehicles, well, there's a fear that they might crack a battery. And so that means even minor accidents, they have to pretty much total the car, start over again. There's no place to put the batteries after they're done. It costs more to actually put in a new battery or new set of batteries than it is to buy a new car. It just goes on and on. These are not at all anywhere close to being clean vehicles. You, you look at the whole process 
it creates way more pollution than an electric or than a gasoline powered car. These should not be being uh, subsidized and funded by the federal government. Lots of money's even going to China involved in all of this because China makes the batteries. We don't make the batteries. And so uh, China's taking money from us uh, in order to build China up. And yeah, it just keeps going on and on. This is, this is a totally corrupt, uh, totally unclean industry. It should be left to the free market. But if they do leave it to the free market, it would die. And that's why they're not doing it. I think this is a really good example of how governments, economic systems, science, etc., perverts itself when it abandons the principles of God's law and refuses to acknowledge the fear of God as the beginning of wisdom and knowledge in the science classroom. Now, I think it's not just that climate change theory is unbiblical. There's a more fundamental problem going on here. All this science today is unbiblical because it's not done in the fear of God and humility. 99% of education not taught in the fear of God. And I realize that, you know, they have not been worshiping God in the chemistry classrooms across this country for nine to a hundred years. But this pride and this lack of the fear of God in science results in scientists drawing wrong conclusions. They have an overweening trust in themselves and their own brains based on modeling and guesswork and wild hypotheses and not in experimentation closed systems where induction produces probabilities versus deduction. The other thing that people need to understand is that people lie. Politicians lie. Media lies. Scientists lies, lie in order to achieve an agenda. But it's also because they serve Satan and Satan is the father of lies. And I think you have to understand this as we move away from Christians running this country, Christians running the laboratories. And by the way, scientists were always Christian for hundreds of years. The first science revolutions occurring with Thomas Bradwardine in roughly 1340 in Oxford. I mean, that was the first revolution. Thankfully, we got away from Aristotle and the Islamic Arabic scientists that weren't doing anything. And finally, Christian science developed in the 1340s. And then, of course, we had the Renaissance that set us back in the 1400s. The humanist Renaissance of Italy gets us into astrology and weird forms of astronomy and off into useless forms of science like alchemy. That's humanist Renaissance. And a lot of that, of course, comes out of the Arabic worldview as well. So, so, so you have all this wasted time in the 1400s, but thank God we get a reformation. That's how you get Isaac Newton, Robert Boyle, physics develops, uh, calculus, other forms uh, come in the 1600s, 1700s. And uh, 99% of useful science, 99.9% of useful science and technological breakthroughs came through Christians, Christians who worshiped God, feared God, reverenced God, would issue amazing doxologies. I give you the whole story of the rise and fall of Western science in my book, Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West. And I think it's the most exciting and interesting chapter of all. How do you get to decent science? Christians. How do you destroy science? Charles Darwin. That's obvious. And so what you get today is the destruction of science. Yes, we're dealing with the utter destruction of science. Why? Because for the most part, scientists, in fact, 95% of uh, scientists and some of these organizations are are avowed atheists. The 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 percent the large percentage 
of, of scientists, the, the, the predominant number of scientists today are not Christians. Why? Because that's the worldview they're taught in the universities. They're taught to worship the human mind. They're taught not to fear God and keep his commandments. And so, of course, we get the perversion of science. So you need to understand that science has been very much destroyed. Uh, science is about induction, probability. It doesn't give you certainty. But modern scientism is not humble. Modern scientism does not humble itself and admit the probabilities and the possibility of errors in their models. Modern science has moved to models instead of experimentation in laboratories where you can control the input variables and prevent high influence from confounding factors. So much of what we call science today are just scientific models run by computers. It's not real science. Now, if you don't understand these concepts, then stay away from the debates on global warming and evolution and all the rest. But there's a difference between the two sciences. Scientism is a belief system, and it's destroying the science in our world, as much as alchemy and astrology destroyed real science in the Renaissance. So again, there's always this battle going on between real Christians, real science, and fake science, fake scientists, and humanism, and their bad science. And that's the, what we're witnessing today. All right. So friends, I'm, I'm telling you, Correlation does not mean causation as well. Keep that in mind. Man-made technologies has increased carbon dioxide emissions, yes, since 1800 or since 1900. But how much? What percentage? What's the major cause for global warming? How would you know? Experimentation. But it's really hard to experiment when you can't block the confounding factors. Sunlight, for example. How do you block out sunlight for the entire globe for three years and do an experiment? How do you do that? And what about the increase in cows and other animals on the planet? Science doesn't add all this up. Livestock, just cows, provide something like 21% of greenhouse emissions. Cows belch up 6,000 pounds of greenhouse emissions, assuming methane is 28 times more potent than carbon dioxide. Average person contributes about 4,000 pounds per year, but there are only a billion cows in the world. Um, animals are 2 gigatons of weight in the world. Humans are 0.06 gigatons of all of the organic weight in the world. That's 33,000 times the weight of humans for animals. Cows only make one thirty thousandth of the animal weight in the world, which means that the environmentalists would have to kill the other 99.999% of the animals in the world to reduce methane levels and other greenhouse gases. Animals contribute about 30,000 times the methane and carbon dioxide as humans do. So have we taken that into account? See, again, I think it comes down to the fact that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And, and when they jettisoned that and took upon themselves these prideful attitudes, they corrupted their science, they've corrupted politics, they've corrupted economics, and we wind up with the disaster called EVs. Well, friends, what, where do we start with this? Where do we go back to? My recommendation is that we go back to a God-glorifying science in which on every page we're acknowledging God. As I wrote, God made animals, God made world, God made life, God made plants, God made everything. As, as we've written these books, I've compared them to other homeschool materials, and I counted the references to God, uh, his wisdom, his power, his amazing creation, and to, to the other curriculum, I find that we have hundreds of references to God, to two or three maybe in some of the other curriculum that's produced for homeschools around this country. So I'd recommend that we... We bring this back. We bring back the glory of God, the awesomeness of God, the fear of God, the wonder of God back into the science curriculum. That's what we've done with our Christian worldview curriculum, the Generations curriculum available at generations.org. So get a copy of God Made Animals. Read it out loud to your kids. That's what I did. Re re read these things. They're, they're, they're interesting. They're, they're not boring. We create 
a curriculum that's, that presents the wonder, the, the amazing character of God's creation. The, 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 the most astounding things you would ever read are found in these descriptions of what God has created. And, and God made animals. God made the world. God made life. Get this curriculum. Read it out loud to the whole family. That's what I recommend. We've got to find a way to bring a reformation back into science. And I believe that this is the only way in which we're going to salvage science because science at this point has been corrupted. And the use of science and technology is increasingly destructive in the modern age. Why? Because we've abandoned the fear of God, the reverence of God, the recognition of the awesomeness of God as the beginning of all wisdom and knowledge in the classrooms, in the homeschool classrooms across this country. So get a copy of these uh, science curricula at our website, generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Steve Vaughn, and we'd like to invite you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.